1: Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hi, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I am here with our return guest, Stephanie Redfeather. Stephanie's got a lot of stuff really exciting that's coming up, and I know uh, myself and the rest of the Radiate crew have been really excited for Stephanie. Tomorrow's your 50th birthday. It is. That's awesome. <laughs> but we're really here to talk about Stephanie's new book, which is The Evolutionary Empath, which came out when? On the
0: 5th, last week.
1: Last week. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank Mm. you for joining me. Mm,
0: Thanks for having me back.
1: Absolutely. And you've just
0: been recovering from a really nasty sinus infection. I have, yes. So I might have to get a sip of tea uh, here and there throughout the talk. We've got tea, we've got
1: water, we've got Kleenex, so we should be good. (laughs) We're good. Um, I've also been battling something, so I might start coughing. I'll try to... Sympathy cough. (laughs) Exactly, sympathy (laughs) cough. I love it. So (laughs) the evolutionary empath. So this has been this book has been a long time in the making, hasn't it? I started
0: it three years ago.
1: Wow. -hmm. And I know when you came on the podcast last, you had had the you know you had a publishing date, you had the contract and everything, and you were working feverishly to get it done, Mm -hmm. which you did. Mm -hmm. Probably resulted in you being sick.
0: Uh, yeah, I think there's a there's a bigger thing happening, you know, more than just an accumulation of stress. My mm-hmm. guides have told me that there's just this marks the completion of a massive initiatory cycle for myself. A huge nice. period of training and preparation and that my system just had to go offline for a little while to reboot.
1: Yeah, I was I was thinking spirit saying, "Okay, you just go rest a while. We've got this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Let us
0: work. I on really this. had to trust. I had to uh, reschedule a bunch of interviews, yeah. and I've got a podcast series that I'm in the middle of producing, wow. and I had to push off the episodes I was going to work on. So I just had to go. Okay. <coughs> wow out of my hands <laughs> out of my hands you do have a lot going on and you really
1: did this upright so you hired a marketing consultant you got your publishers full support that that's what's wonderful about having a publisher and they take care of many many mm-hmm. different aspects of it and you've been just like going all guns getting this together mm-hmm. so let's talk about the book yeah. the evolutionary empath all right why that title
0: well, ask them, um, because this <laughs> this book went through several titles, because as I would work with the material, and, and, and let me just back up and say, my intention in writing this from the very beginning has always been to serve as a, as a channel, mm-hmm. as a portal, a conduit for whoever ends up with this book to, to receive an activation, to receive an awakening, to receive whatever coding... <coughs> Mm-hmm. spirit intends for them and for me to just be a vessel of that. So I would hold that conscious space every time I sat down to work on the book. And as I worked with the content and more content came through and higher level perspective got downloaded, the title changed three times because I was getting kind of higher vibrational information, higher sure. level perspective. And, and as the material organized itself, the, the book broke into two parts. And the second part is more of the rubber meets the road practical how to deal with boundaries and what are they and right. exercises for establishing boundaries and your energy field and what that means and activities you know for clearing your energy field and self-care and all of these sorts of things right. that that help us in the practical 3D world. But the first half of the book is really where The title comes from the evolutionary empath, Mm -hmm. because I was given kind of a peek behind the curtain, if you will, that, that we are here on purpose, that the growing number of sensitive souls is not a fluke, it's not an accident that we are here with the express purpose to help humanity evolve to the next level of consciousness. Absolutely. And that we're here because it's finally time. So Mm -hmm. I think in the last podcast, however many months ago that was, I talked about this grand cycle of time, 24,000-year cycle called the great year. So we we are in the ascending phase once again. So humanity is raising in vibration, raising in consciousness enough we have enough momentum we're we're ready for it for those of us with this refined energetic physiology and refined sensitivities are showing up because we are the new human blueprint. We are what humanity is evolving toward. And I like to think that someday empath isn't even going to be a word. It's just going to be like the air we breathe. It's just going to be another way of saying human.
1: Right, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I kind of feel like that's approaching very quickly because I meet so many empaths Mm -hmm. and so many people are waking up to this empathic ability. Um, So I know a lot of your book... um, revolves around the definition of an empath. Mm-hmm. And how, so how do you define that for somebody, especially who doesn't know what that term means? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
0: Um, so the, the everyday um, sort of lingo or, or shorthand definition is just a highly sensitive person. Right. right. So the term empath, I think, has been in <clears throat> spiritual circles and conscious circles for a number of decades, decades now the only directive my guides gave me when I sat down to write this book was create a definition. And it was like, yeah, okay, sure, no pressure. Sure. All right. Right, <laughs> exactly. You know, but I wasn't aware that anybody had attempted to do that. And so okay. I was like, okay, all right, let's see what, you know, so it's just like, why me? But then, you know, in the same breath, it's like, okay, I, I right. accept the mission. Why not? Yes. Yeah, and so I... I had been leading empath workshops for a number of years, and I had gathered this very long list of experiences that we tend to have, qualities that we tend to have, mm-hmm. and I started there, and and they started rearranging themselves into like items, mm-hmm. and I realized that I have these five qualities, if you will, that everything aligned Right, And so so the definition, I I spend two chapters, if you will, defining what an empath is. I I, I do a very thorough job. Like it's not just a section in a chapter and, hey, here's what an empath is. I go very deeply into the subject. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so there are multiple ways that I approach it. One, I talk about what an empath is not. Right, very important. So, for example, it's not a skill. Mm-hmm. or something that we can turn on and off. It's not witchcraft. It's not, you know, in, insert your favorite woo-woo word here. It's it's right. not that sort of thing. You know, I, I believe that every human being is born with a capacity for empathy. Right, which so is different. Same foundational word, right. but different. But not everybody was born an empath, because an empath right. is something you are 24-7. Yeah. Now you you have skills within in that set. You know, like right. however empath expresses through you, right. those qualities can be developed into skills. <clears throat> so I just wanted to speak to that since I mentioned the word skill before. And then I have the five qualities <coughs> of an empath. Which, if you want, I'll go into those in a second. To, yes, and kind of give the rest of the right breadth of the definition. I list the five qualities of the empath yeah. and spend one entire chapter breaking those qualities down mm-hmm. into what exactly that means. And I interviewed quite a few people, clients and students and peers. So I have real-life anecdotes, examples Good. from other people, mm-hmm. which which always helps. You know, you can identify yourself in another person's story and go, Oh, my God, I, the same thing happened to me. Right. right. So, And then another piece that I bring into it is not something I've really heard other people talking about, which is being an empath this is a decision we made at a soul level. Sure. As we were constructing this incarnation, if you will, right. kind of, you know, at the smorgasbord going, I'll take a scoop yeah. of that <laughs> and, and a filet of this and a you know, a pinch of that. Yeah. And constructing what our life was gonna be this time around. It, it's more than just personality traits.
1: Exactly. Because
0: it what it carries with it is this cosmic mission. Right, uh, you know. and it's life. It's mm-hmm. our life. It's the way. It's
1: it's not a thing we do or a thing we experience. It's a thing we are. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so at the at the end of one of the chapters, I I, I take all of that and condense it into a paragraph. My definition of an empath is a paragraph because that's just how long it needed to be. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so you'll have to read the book to yeah. find out what <laughs> yes. the definition is. Yes,
0: but the the five
1: qualities I yes. you know, I can
0: explain those. So. Mm-hmm. So the first quality is um, we have an ability to merge with and absorb the energies and emotions and problems of other life forms. So Mm -hmm. we talk about people, but really it's, you know, that's where it shows up the most. Right. But really anything that's sentient. Right. And that stems from our very open energy Mm -hmm. fields. And right. So that's why open, yes, yeah, open that's Energy, why fields, energy right? management, and boundaries and all of that is so critical so for them.: Critical. Yes.. Yeah. The second quality is we have a highly sensitive nervous system. Mm-hmm. Highly tuned, very highly tuned. and so this makes us prone to overwhelm and overstimulation, and is why radical self-care is so fundamental for us. It's mm-hmm. not Self-care is not a luxury for Mm-mm. us. It is, a, it is a daily must. Yes. The third quality is that we have an ability to perceive subtle energetic information Mm -hmm. from the energy fields of other life forms. And so these are the things that predispose us towards um, having wicked intuition, seeing the dead. Accessing the akashic records, um, mm-hmm. having premonitions, seeing the future, being able to astral travel, being able to, to journey to other dimensions—you know—all of these manifest synchronicities. Mm-hmm. All of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth quality is the premium that we place on peace and harmony. We, right. we crave that calm balance, mm-hmm. both within ourselves, mm-hmm. in our relationships in our homes. And so, you know, I know for me, one of the ways this shows up is I'm constantly adjusting stuff in my house, tweaking, you know, like really sensitive to the flow of energy, lighting, smell, sound, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Right. And then the fifth quality is our huge hearts and desire to be of service. Yes. And if we're not careful, these are the qualities that cause us to overgive. Mm-hmm. And put everybody else first and put ourselves
1: last. Absolutely. Now, those are very important qualities. And I have to say, there are so many people in the world now who experience that and who express that. And um, you, there, your first point being about being able to get in the, the emotion and feel the emotions of all sentient beings, I feel like this is forests, animals, mm-hmm. the planet, mm-hmm. governments. Mm-hmm that we feel all of it, even what's going on with the, the earth, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You know, So that's, that's an excellent definition because then you know I think sometimes the word empath gets thrown around mm-hmm. a lot. And so people will say, oh, I'm an empath, I'm an empath. But they don't really, they've heard that and they think it just means somebody who's overly sensitive mm-hmm. and who wants peace. But there's a lot more to it than there, that. There
0: is. And, and let me also just say, <clears throat> I I acknowledge how much we love our cosmopolitan surveys. You know, like you but, know, if, if and I and I right. had to resist that, like that wasn't true to who I was and my understanding of being an empath. You know, if mm-hmm. if somebody put a gun to my head, I could probably create some sort of little questionnaire. And if you, you yes, yeah, so if you get one through nine, you're a mild empath, and if you get ten through nineteen, you're a moderate empath. You know, but I mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. to me, these qualities all exist on a continuum. Absolutely. And not every person is going to express all five. Some of them might peg all five. Mm-hmm. Some of them might have repressed these qualities to the point that they don't even recognize them in themselves.
1: That's an excellent point. I think. I think this is because we can learn to embrace it. We can learn to shut these things down mm-hmm. as well. No, I like that you bring that up, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't. Um, we can maybe have all these five qualities present, but maybe not all at one time, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. No, that's an excellent point. Um, And then defining it, what it is and what it isn't, I think is a very good thing. And I know that there are lots and lots of books about being an empath out there. Dr. Judith Orloff, Mm -hmm. of course, is um, probably one of the best-known examples of that. And um, there are many other books as well. So what sets the... And I haven't even held up the book yet. Yeah, hold it up. Isn't it beautiful? It's my baby.
0: That is so <laughs> awesome. Seriously, if you're, if, if, I know this may seem silly and right. as a first time author, but oh, yeah, know, this is my baby. It and, is and your she baby. She has fledged and left the nest and is flying on her own. And I love how you <laughs> co- coordinated
1: your outfit with the cover of your book. That is so fabulous. And um, so what is it that sets the evolutionary empath apart from,
0: like, Dr. Orloff's mm-hmm. stuff? Yes. Um, she's got some brilliant stuff. I, I don't know her personally. Right. Um, but in um, skimming the book, I haven't read it, but I've, I've looked at um, a fair amount of mm-hmm. um, it. It's, she comes from a different background. Um, right. She, of know, course,
1: being a psychologist. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. So she's got that perspective, which is very important. It's, it's heavy on... Tools, it's a little more um, bite sized pieces of things. Uh-huh. I have a much more shamanic background, of a much more, um, you know, a background in uh, s- just my own personal spiritual journey <clears throat> and consciousness. So I'm, I'm not at all saying that hers isn't spiritual. I, I, I bring in this bigger perspective that of the first course. half of the book that I was talking about of why are we here in the first place yes. the implications of of being an empath at this point in human history mm-hmm. and and just talking about you know how empaths couldn't even really have existed hundred years ago You know, we weren't at a point in our human consciousness and our level of consciousness and our vibration for empaths to really thrive with any success, you know, even 100 years ago. Oh, absolutely. And and we're still an anomaly in Western medicine and Western psychology and Western culture. And I talk about all of those things. So, you know, I feel like one of the gifts I have is, creating context and giving perspective. And so mm-hmm. that's what sets this book apart. Because if you mm-hmm. if you get into the why, why am I here? Give me the bigger picture. Help me locate myself inside of my life and inside of human evolution so I can connect more with my, with my purpose and ground myself yeah. more fully in, in this body. Mm-hmm. Because,
1: you know, after all, we're living a life, and we have to live that life. And so it's like I said before: it's empath is not being an empath is not something that we put on. It's not something that we are one day and we're not the other day. That you know, maybe maybe it fluctuates. Maybe we're more empath, you know, more of an empath one day and less than that. But anyway, the, my point of being is that the whole point of this is to live and to have this lifetime and focus on this lifetime with the tools that we can use so i love how your book is practical that you is not just like setting this thing up that you may be an empath if right so we have these five qualities but then you give practical tips you have
0: meditations I do I created eight guided meditations that's and then, a lot <laughs> in 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 the vision of the book I'm like this is going to be really cool and then when it came time to do them I'm like this is a lot of work <laughs> <It's a> lot <laughs> it was, was work. like creating another book if you will because right that's I, a lot of meditation yes I I actually yeah. produced them myself I I Fantastic. scripted them recorded them and produced them myself but wow. but it's so much value added so right. much value added because one of the most important things I learned in my spiritual awakening is the experience, your own personal experience of a thing, the experiential, um, yeah, the experiential experience. Sorry, I couldn't come up with the better <laughs> word. But, but instead of Taking in knowledge because you read it somewhere, mm-hmm. taking in knowledge because somebody told you that's how a thing is. Mm-hmm. It's experiencing it for yourself, living, living it, it. feeling it in your body, yes. getting your own body felt sense of what is true and what isn't. Because especially as empaths, I mean, we have got. We have got all faculties to be really good BS detectors. We mm-hmm. just turn a lot of that stuff off because it can right. be overwhelming. It can be inconvenient, too. Yeah, and, and Yes, yes, yes. Excellent point. And so, you know, being an empath carries just such an implication. and And it's important that people find out the truth for themselves, find out Mm -hmm. their truth for themselves. And so a lot of these Mm -hmm. meditations are are guided exercises where I take them through experiences with their body, take them through their own personal experience with the feminine and the masculine Mm -hmm. so that they can download their own truth, their own experience, instead of just taking in something just because I wrote it in a book. You know what I mean? I want them to get it in their cells.
1: And that's what I love about this and your approach and your approach with it. I've, I've not worked with you personally, but I know a lot of people who have. And your approach with people is like it's guiding them to have their own truth rather than teaching them something that they can integrate if they want to, but actually guiding them to, to integrate that in the moment. And um, you give such practical tools mm-hmm. to Thank do you. that. And so I have to ask, Stephanie, when did you <clears throat> realize that you were an empath?
0: hmm um, I would say that coincided with my spiritual awakening in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So I was an empath for the first 30 years of my life. Didn't know it. Had no idea what that was. Yeah, had no idea what that was. I right. just went around thinking everything I felt was mine. Right. <laughs> you know, and being incredibly emotional and and schizophrenic if you will and dramatic you know how many times have i been told you're too sensitive you're overly dramatic you're fragile you're you know all of this kind of stuff all of these things and so when my spiritual and by the way for people who don't know i was in the air force for 10 years
1: i know that's so that is so (laughs) funny i just think that is like the coolest thing because like you don't present as somebody who would be military but you're
0: totally a veteran yeah. 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 Okay. So, so that's, you know, being an empath, an unconscious empath in the military. That must have been really hard. It was incredibly hard. Oh, painful. Yeah. And, you know, in hindsight, when you get enough years on you, if, if, you're, if, you've, if you've done your work, usually if this is a product of doing your work, you can look back on your life experiences and appreciate them and actually yeah. choose to not trade them in. Like right. You would choose those experiences again mm-hmm. because they set you up perfectly to deliver the medicine, yeah. You know, that you're here to be a carrier of, right? Right? So, when my spiritual awakening began, um, it, I, I call it the pre quake tremors, they they started around ooh, 99, 2000, right? Um, tr- and, yeah. <laughs> And then that's like childbirth pain. Yeah, like exactly. That. The what Braxton Hicks right, contractions yeah. or whatever is like. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we're not really having a baby yet. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, we're not we're not having full on you know midlife right. crisis. Dark night of the an soul actual yet. Awakening. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The oxygen mask would have darkened, uh, and, and Transported you out. No. Um, so it was. Early 2000s: yeah, you know, when when I left the military in '02, that's really what started all of it. And I so, can't imagine
1: going through an awakening in the military. <clears throat>
0: oh yeah, I, I think sh- my, my inner guidance was like, it's time to get. And, and I was actually surprised I listened because I had long banished my heart from the decision-making table because uh, it wasn't practical well, or absolutely. It's yeah. inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, in the process of spending time in what I call the spiritual crucible, mm, this, this yeah. five-year period where I feel like I lived 100 years. Just redefining everything. What does it mean to be a woman? What do I want? What does it mean to be successful? You know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. In the mix of all of that, I'm, I'm recognizing my sensitivities, some of my abilities, and I'm starting to study Buddhism. I, you know, some friends are handing me some books that, you know, one of the first books I got was Conversations with God. And it was just every page. I knew it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes! You know, it was like one of those, you know. And so I was reading books, and I was learning Reiki, and, and so that's yeah. kind of when all that right. congealed for me.
1: Right. It hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that so it did, it wasn't like one moment you had where mm-hmm. you said, I think I'm an empath. Mm-hmm. It was a, a sol- slow roll, but I think that's true of so many people. And then when they hear that word, Empath, and pick up a book like yours, mm-hmm. Evolutionary Empath, right? When they pick up a book like yours and then they say, oh my God, that's me. That gives me some context for yes. everything I've been feeling and how I've been reacting to everything. And I I really credit books like yours, the work that you do with assisting with the global awakening. Mm. I think that's wonderful because that we're, and you know, my, I don't know if I've ever shared with you, but my... Um, my mission is total world domination of everyone waking up to the fact that they're spiritual mm-hmm. and having a human experience. Mm-hmm. So my I think, favorite group right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So this books like yours mm-hmm. and the work that you do really helps with people awakening to that mm-hmm. concept. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's fantastic. Um, now, something that you mentioned in your book is the morphic field. And I want to make sure that I understand that so that can you, Tell us about what mm-hmm. that means.
0: Yes, it is. It's actually something I speak of in the introduction, but it sets the framework because all of this is happening inside of this living field of intelligence. The morphic field mm-hmm. of the empath is a living field of intelligence. and In a morphic field, it's a, <clears throat> a theory that was first postulated by mm-hmm. Rupert Sheldrake. Okay. And... It, it, it basically says that there, there is some kind of intelligence that governs the pattern of things, the form of things. So there's, there's a, a morphic field for an oak tree. There's a morphic field for a cheetah. There's a morphic field for the human race. You know, so, so right. everything has its Love own it. kind of higher intelligence. Yeah. And, and the way I think of it, so again, going back to this 24,000-year cycle of the great year, As we are descending in consciousness, we're lowering in vibration. And so there's a lot Mm. of concepts, wisdom, universal truths, understandings that we have at the height of our awareness that we lose as we descend. And it's almost like this morphic field is a repository where all of this wisdom and knowledge is never lost. It's just being held in trust waiting for us to swing back around and raise in vibration enough that we can once again access the frequency mm. of this data. Right. And so the morphic field of the empath is this living field of intelligence that's, that's been waiting for us, if mm-hmm. you will, to come swing back around and connect with it and draw from it and know that we are supported. <clears throat> and at the same time, we're contributing to it. Mm. because there is a it's kind of like the hundredth monkey effect where sure. something gains enough critical mass mm-hmm. so so as empaths we i've I've coined the phrase the empathic big bang that's because that's <laughs> you know like in geologic time, a couple mm-hmm. hundred years is nothing right, so in this last hundred hundred fifty years, mm. the empaths have been incarnating in greater numbers we are collectively the empathic big bang sure and and one of the quotes i say in the book if you watch the movie Moneyball, is the first guy through the wall always gets bloodied <laughs> and so literally collectively we are the first ones through the wall right getting bloodied paving the way wow defining these concepts standing together arm in arm, mm-hmm. saying that we are a real thing. We're yeah. not going away. And not only that, we're here for a reason. Exactly. And so so part of our choice at a soul level is not just I'm going to be an empath. I'm going to be one of the first ones coming back. Right. What Dolores Cannon refers to as the three waves of volunteers,
1: of course the first wave coming in and just setting the stage, and right? And, yeah, just volunteering to do this important work. I love that. And it does feel like we get bloodied sometimes, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Big time, especially when we feel everything. Yes. When you're feeling the destruction of the rainforest and the pollution of the ocean and the destruction of species. I mean, we feel Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I remember as a child, you know, like my parents just saying, you feel the whole world. This is, I mean, it's like they were puzzled they Mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with me Mm -hmm. right so um along with this morphic field there's the shadow aspect Mm -hmm. and again would you just like say a little bit about that Mm -hmm. too because i think it is
0: important so the kind of daily working definition i use for shadow is our shadow is the disowned unloved parts of ourselves Mm. Absolutely. And so it's where we put things that we were told were wrong or not acceptable or not ladylike or oh, sure. men don't do that or, you know, whatever judgment was placed, <laughs> we cleave off these parts of ourselves and we sock them down into mm-hmm. this subconscious part of ourselves into the shadow Right. where they are still alive, oh, still right. and always seeking expression. Right. And that's why I believe shadow work is such a huge important part of doing your inner work mm-hmm. is because these parts of ourselves are always seeking expression. And if we keep them repressed, if we keep denying them, they're going to find a way to get out, but they're going to come out sideways in inappropriate ways it? at inappropriate times.
1: And probably unexpected ways and yes. unexpected times. Yes.
0: And so the shadow aspect of the empath is just... You know, when we don't know we're an empath, we're an unconscious empath. We're we're living unconsciously, unaware Mm -hmm. of these qualities and unaware of how that can sort of adversely affect our experiences of life. And that's just that's just how this works. We have to be unconscious before we can be conscious. And it totally sucks Right, because it it sets us up for a lot of painful experiences, especially being kind of the first generation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Our parents, for the most part, our teachers, right, don't recognize our qualities, or they don't value them, or they think mm-hmm. that we're just <clears throat> too sensitive, mm-hmm. or oh, you have too thin of a skin; you need to grow a thicker skin, or right. you know, whatever. Whatever your story is, I I know you you had your parents. Their favorite phrases, right? You know, that they like to say. And so if you if you think about the five qualities that we have, um highly sensitive nervous systems, that we it's easy for us to take on everybody else's emotions Mm -hmm. and problems and feelings, and you know, connecting in with the energy, subtle energies of other life forms and big hearts and being of service and desiring peace and harmony. Now you take those qualities and play them out when you don't know what those qualities are, when you don't know they exist. And so the the shadow aspect is, you know, shows up as codependence. Oh. Taking on everybody else's emotions and problems and thinking they're your own. Right. Losing yourself in relationship. Sure. Not knowing where you end Mm. when the next person begins. Right. Not, you know, choosing not to or or being afraid to rock the boat or stand up for yourself Mm. or take a stand or advocate. Right. Usually means we suck at saying no and drawing Mm -hmm. boundaries. Mm -hmm. We have have no idea how to do that or we're afraid. (coughs) We don't know how to ask for what we need. So there's a, a huge... list of qualities. You know, we get overwhelmed all the time because we don't recognize that we're taking on everybody else's stuff. And so these things get compounded. Right. 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 That's very difficult. And so um
1: yeah, when we when we get overwhelmed like that, it's really kind of hard to extricate ourselves too. Hi, this is Christy. I just want to say that we here at Radiate Wellness hope you're enjoying this podcast. It's free to you, and we hope that you find it informative and inspirational, heck, even fun. We have just three small asks of you to help us radiate growth. First, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. That way, you'll receive a notification every time that we have a new podcast episode out. Next, please give us a thumbs up, a like, or a five-star review. If you're feeling inspired, a positive review wouldn't hurt. These two small things will help others find us when they're searching for great podcasts. Finally, please tell your friends about the Radiate Wellness podcast. Better yet, show them how to find us and how to subscribe. If everyone did that, we would double our audience. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. Now, the shadows aspect isn't, it sounds very shamanic.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Are there some, does the shamanic do shamanic practices work expressly with that? And I'm thinking specifically of like soul retrieval. Mm-hmm. Sounds like these aspects of um, the shadow are something like soul fragments. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. And so mm-hmm. and that's what the shamanic practice. And forgive me, I do not know, I know enough of shamanism to make me dangerous.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so I'm asking dumb questions so our viewers don't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So this seems very much like a uh, soul retrieval type of work. And, of course, when we get um, triggered, we get stuck, we kind of go back to these shadow aspects in mm-hmm. our emotional response, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, in my practice, I, I see a lot of people who, in fact, I just worked with someone this morning who, if anybody has any problems in her circle, she immediately thinks that she has to fix them, mm-hmm. feels responsible for them. It's like, oh, I'm sorry you're having this. Well, it's theirs to have, right, first mm-hmm. of all. And then feels like they need to fix it. Feels the need to please everybody, and that's also a lack of boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Feeling mm-hmm. like you have to please everybody. So, I know part of your book has to do with setting boundaries, mm-hmm. like a boss. <laughs> and so, what is what do boundaries mean? I, I mm-hmm. know that some people think that well, if I'm setting a boundary, I'm keeping somebody out. Um, but what is like what is an a good, honest definition of boundaries and how to set them.
0: Yeah, I haven't figured out the short definition yet. <laughs> <laughs> a long definition is fine. <clears throat>
1: okay, that's what's great about podcasts; it takes as long as it takes.
0: Yes, and it's it's hard for me. I mean, I do it in the book just because we live in a linear world. You have to talk about something first, and second, and third. But right. to me, the conversation of your energy field right. and boundaries are really two sides of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so boundaries, to have boundaries, you first have to have a sense of your own edges. You have to have a sense of where you end and right. the next person begins. Right. And so sometimes in my workshops, I will bring hula hoops Oh. And ask people to sit inside of them mm-hmm. and, and use that as a visual representation of their field, of their edge. Like this is your personal sovereign space and you get to decide who's in it. Mm-hmm. And if they're in it without your permission, you can ask them to leave. So so there's this, you know, and it's not the same distance for everybody, but it's a good, you know, it's a good tool to use. So, so we have to have this understanding that we are energy beings and that we, that we have a field. And some people think of it as a bubble or a cocoon. I have a client that thinks of it as her hamster ball, you know, <laughs> and then she wheels around. You know? So it's, it's whatever works. And I also understand that we're, we're talking finitely about mm-hmm. something that's not exactly
1: finite.
0: Right, and exactly. I, and so I give that. I, I understand. Right. But to, but to practice the concept, you have to, to think of it physically in this, as, as a, in, you know, in the 3D we have limitations. Mm-hmm. And so when we have the sense of <laughs> self, then we can start to assess the condition of our boundary, of our container, of our field. Right. And so one of the things I talk about is um, energy leaks. And it's some really cool stuff. Spirit downloaded me with some really cool concepts. And I I talk about it in terms of blowout leaks Mm -hmm. and cave-in leaks. And so the terms are pretty self-explanatory. A blowout leak is when we're leaking... this way. Cave and leak is when we just completely crumple and allow other people's stuff in. So the blowout,
1: we're maybe leaking by pushing our stuff out and then the cave and leak, we're taking everybody else's
0: stuff in. Those are two very different things, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so there's great discussion in the book about those. You Mm -hmm. know, so so once you get the sense of your edges, then you can start to think, oh gosh, what crumples my field? Where do I lose my boundaries? Where is it easy for me to Maintain my sovereign space. Oh, wow! And where do I just let it get torn to shreds and look like Swiss cheese? Mm-hmm. It, you know, and so there's a, a lot of different exercises, visualizations, and such. And you know, there's a, a meditation that addresses your field it's to to get you introduced to it and to and to shift the distances and to see how that feels love and love kind of take, take a look around, right? Um, but. Part of it, too, is staying inside our own sovereign field. Because as empaths, a lot of times we're vacant. You know, like like the throne is in there, but ain't nobody sitting in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I I've gotten out and I've walked right. over and I've plopped myself inside of your field and dropped exactly. my anchor in you. Right. And so while... Merging and blending with other people is our superpower. And if we wield it consciously, it makes us very compassionate, very understanding, exceptional listeners, negotiators, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. When we're unconscious with it, totally codependent, mm-hmm. totally losing ourselves in relationship, having no idea who we are, having no sense of self. So part of the mm-hmm. journey for so many empaths is step back inside your own boundaries sit back down in your own throne Mm. and live your life from here. Right, right. So that was a really long answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's
1: totally okay. So that's boundaries. And then, um, so I know that the the how we do, that, how we go sit in our own throne, this is explained in the book and in the meditations. And let me just ask a practical question. Mm I'm trying to formulate my questions here. I want to ask a practical question. <clears throat> when you are, when the empath is managing their energy, they are establishing, they're establishing their boundaries, um, and then there are those in their circle, in their family, in their workspace, or friends, or what, what have you, who do not do that and who do not respect that,
0: what can we do? It would be easier to answer a more specific question, okay? Because there's multiple answers depending on the dynamics of what's going on. So I, that,
1: that is a complex question, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. For example, okay, for example, uh, we do a good job of defining and our boundaries and maintaining our energy, staying within our own energy. But say perhaps a partner does like always wants to unburden their emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, anger or depression or grief and expects us to participate Mm -hmm. in it for example Mm
0: -hmm. so So
1: how can we just firmly and mm -hmm. lovingly maintain those boundaries
0: yeah so there's there's going to be several pieces to that and it's a it's a dimmer switch and not a flip switch you know what i mean it's not like you just flip a switch and it's changed it's like degrees it's it's a journey sure you got to practice right so establishing boundaries is a practice just like building a muscle if there is any room at all for dialogue that is what I would advise mm-hmm. is and okay there's there's several things I want to say so let me let me back up I'll get to that let me back up to the ener- energetic um, <clears throat> What's going on at an energetic underneath, energetic mm-hmm. level. We're all energetic beings, obviously. And so especially when we're in a close relationship, we're very tuned to one another. Right. And so if I change something in me, if I establish a boundary or, or start to fortify a boundary or operate my life with a, a different set of values or principles, that's shifting my vibration. Right. Which means there are going to be some things in my life that are now in dissonance Mm -hmm. instead of resonance, you know, disharmony instead of harmony. And so our partners are going to pick up in that change in vibration. It is human nature to want our lives and our world and the people in it to be predictable. Right. And dependable and reliable. And so it's human nature to energetically go, (gasps) oh. You left your box. Right. Get back in your box. I know who you are in your box. I know what you're going to say. I know how you're going to respond. I know if I do this, you're going to do that. If you're over here, I I don't know what happens over here. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of times our partners, our families, our friends will react to our change, to our establishment of boundaries or whatever our change is, not even know they're doing it. Mm -hmm. not even know why unless they're really really conscious and go hang on this isn't a normal response for me where is this coming from what did this provoke in me and and trace it back that's the minority of people for the most part it's just a reactionary thing and so part of what we need to understand is when we start to change we need to doesn't mean we're going to excuse other people's behavior, but to at least understand that they, they're going to have some kind of reaction.
1: They are, because we're not operating along the rules, the unspoken rules we established in this relationship mm-hmm. in the first place. Yes.
0: And so speaking <clears throat> to it, I'm the big one on communication, speaking to it is important because right. even though the other person may be like, hey, no big deal, whatever, that's cool, hey, do your thing, there is something inside of them, the is it the autonomic nervous system? Is that the is that the animal brain? I might be saying think the so. wrong one. But the but the animal part of us that's always wary, that's always on alert, you know, it's like that part of us settles down when we have an understanding. Right. And so if we can say to our partner, listen, the way I've been making decisions isn't working for me anymore or the way I've been doing this isn't working for me anymore. I'm practicing doing this Mm -hmm. or, you know, I say yes to way too many people and I overload my schedule and that's not working for me anymore. So you're going to hear me saying no more often or if it's something directly related to the partner, honey, I love you and Mm -hmm. this is a dynamic that's been present in the past with us and I find That I just can't tolerate it anymore, or it it crushes me, it doesn't you know, whatever, whatever your truth is. Right. And so what's difficult, so this is an example of asking for what you need. Mm -hmm. What's challenging with that is it's our responsibility to ask for what we need, Mm -hmm. and it's nobody's responsibility to comply. And so that's where when you have the dynamic of another person. How you present it, you know, to get clear about because you can't just come in and say you're pissing me off, you're dumping on me, leave the room, shut up, go to you know whatever. Uh, be- I can't it. take it anymore right. because right. that becomes accusatory, right? And 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 the person's automatically going to become defensive. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I could I could go on and on about all the nuances of of these different kinds of dynamics. Speaking about it is going to be important, right? And. Making some new choices, you know. There, there are times, um, especially if I'm if I'm really feeling vulnerable or sensitive or open, and maybe my husband comes home from work and he's, you know, I can I can sense the tension or whatever he's dealt with right. the day, and he's he's wanting to talk about it and kind of offload. And there are times when I just have to say, I'm feeling really sensitive right now, and I'm being and I'm really affected by the energies that you're carrying. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this later? Or or I want to hear what you have to say, but right now I need to leave the room and go tend to my energy field. You know, whatever. Sure. You know, so those are those are skills that I had to learn. And <clears throat> those
1: are definitely skills because we fall into our patterns, don't we? Mm-hmm. Of how we were raised, about what our parent how our parents reacted, how they spoke to each other. And so we have to retrain ourselves, don't mm-hmm. we? How does your husband respond to all of this? Does he get
0: it? He is a sweetheart. He, he um, He's a muggle. <laughs> he's, I, I've described him as a closet empath. Because <laughs> oh, <that's amazing. clears throat> he's actually very sensitive. But, you know, my life, I love deconstructing spiritual and psychological stuff you know and talking about it yeah and and his what what floats his boat is different but yet we're incredibly compatible you know so gratefully he's he's very loving he's very understanding and i also have to watch you know when you're when you're a teacher when you're a person that coaches others to be careful about that line of becoming my husband's coach or being a nagging wife you know so if there's something that I feel like I need to bring to his attention Mm -hmm. in his behavior how he's handling something or something that's maybe not a healthy habit right I'm going to present it that way as opposed to you know I really try to manage my reactions too because there are times that I get triggered and I'm like okay okay you know just just, that's just we're just being we're just humans here <laughs> you know, right. nothing's wrong. <clears throat> so, this you you need know, to don't make more out. out of this than what it is. But
1: yeah, right, absolutely. Mm, so I that's to an,
0: work on my processes too.
1: Yeah, that's an important mm-hmm. distinction. You know, and speaking of relationships, I think that when people start doing this type of work and awakening to their uh, status or their quality of being an empath, um, it can be uncomfortable in relationships. And I know a lot of people where their relationships just kind of self-regulated self-defined and mm-hmm. they lost some friends along mm-hmm. the way lost some people in their families or or you know their circle mm-hmm. along the way because mm-hmm. there are some that just can't deal with someone changing right with someone being more honest and establishing boundaries mm-hmm. right so that's that's kind of a difficult part of being an empath too mm-hmm. right so, it's not all, yeah, it's far from all being rosy and sunshine and rainbows, yeah, <laughs>
0: just, and and that can be said for the entire human existence as well, well you know, this that, is so yeah. true, mm-hmm. but it's so worth it. Mm-hmm.
1: well, is there anything about the book that you think is important to mention that maybe i I didn't know to ask or we haven't touched upon mm-hmm. yet, because I think it's an important book, thank you
0: mm-hmm. well, just rolling off of the conversation that we just had. Mm-hmm. The, the unspoken subtitle to this book is Life Skills for an Evolving Species. Yes. You know, and, and at one I point that was, you know, when, when the publisher right. accepts your work, they want your suggestions for the title and the subtitle, and that was actually a potential sub, actual subtitle. Right. <clears throat> now, now it's the energetic subtitle. But whether you identify as an empath or not... Everything that I talk about in this book are good human existence skills, drawing boundaries, learning to say no, asking for what you need, Mm -hmm. managing your energy field, learning to be more embodied. There's a whole exploration of the masculine and feminine energies and healthy expressions of them and unhealthy Mm -hmm. expressions of them and, you know, communication, just examples of things like... When, I, when my spiritual awakening began, I was so grateful for the models I had nice. of showing me different ways, not just teaching or talking about it, but actually observing how are they handling that. She just said that to him. That is so cool. I never would have thought. I, didn't, I never knew I could say that. You know, like right. just pulling all of those things into my toolbox and so I offer, and for some people it may be rudimentary, like I know that stuff. But I, okay. it, but it's helpful, especially with a lot of clients and students I've worked with, to give them new languaging, yes, or something how to handle a thing, how to present a thing. Yes, I think that is very,
1: very useful. So yes, having having models. Um, one of my um, one of my teachers, Tina Zion, uh, has sections in her book where. It's like this is how a conversation would go with a typical client. Imagine yourself in the place of the healer, and this is what you might say. Mm-hmm. And so just having a model, mm-hmm. it's like I'm not finding my own words. Let me have a model for how that could sound. I think yeah. that's very practical. Um, and that's what I love about your work that you're doing is practical.
0: And then you have a workshop coming up. I do. Tell me about the workshop. Yes. Um, so I mentioned that... I have offered empath workshops for a number of years. So right. when I sat down to write the book, I put those on, put the workshops on hold, took all of that data, folded into the book, downloaded a bunch of new information, got the book written, and then it was time to completely revamp the workshop content. Of course. So I actually debuted it earlier this year. So this is—it's not its inaugural, you know. Right. It's not the timing. Main voyage. Right. Uh, but it's, it's based on the new content. It's in Kansas City at the Hollis Center. It's December 6th through 8th. Right. It's two and a half days. So we start at I think it's 2 <coughs> o'clock on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Finish up on Sunday. I think it's something like 5. Don't go to my website for the exact times. But basically it's two and a half days. Right. And, it, and it's an intimate dive into this content. We're going to do a lot of experiential stuff. So that people can once again go into their own energy field, experience things for themselves so that they can create their own guideposts, their own markers, their own ways of recognizing yeah. when they've crossed a line or haven't and checking in with their field and having all of these cool conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah. sounds really good. So again, December 6th through 8th, that is 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode will drop November 19th, so you've got time to sign up. Mm-hmm. And you've got the information on your website, which is?
0: dot org. There are early bird registration discounts if you register with a friend, so two of you at the same time, you get even more of a discount. So
1: Wonderful. And we'll put mm. the link in the show notes. Um, blue Star Temple, I just have to ask real quick, what does that refer to? Because I haven't heard you talk about mm. blue or a
0: star or a temple mm-hmm. so far. Right? Okay. How much time do we have? That's <laughs> actually a, is that a whole <laughs> the story? There is a whole story around it. Um, the name... Let me back up and say this: A couple of years ago, I was really petitioning the universe, like, "Okay, I I do this divine feminine work, and I do this work with embodiment and shamanism and empaths, and all." And like, what's the umbrella? How do all of these things fit? What am I supposed to do? You know, like, those moments, like, "Come on, what, what is the bigger vision?" And I'm falling asleep one night, and I am startled awake with Blue Star University.
1: Nice.
0: Okay. Oh my God! Yes. Blue Star University. Yes. How do I do that? What is this? You know, so immediately I'm like, oh, my God, this space is supposed to be brick and mortar. Is it, blah, blah, you know, so all of that. Right. Business. I'm like, chill. Cloths. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then not long after that, I get the vision that Blue Star Temple right. is the first step. So I don't even know what Blue Star University is yet. I, I am working towards it. But Blue Star Temple right now is a virtual space. And the blue star refers to my very strong connection to the star Sirius. Oh, yes. I believe very much in our star relatives
1: and communing oh,
0: yes. with our star relatives and the their influence on our planet and our mm-hmm. evolution as a species. But I was also shown <coughs> that blue star refers to Venus, so Ooh. it pulls in the imagery of Venus as well as a blue planet and the mm-hmm. and the feminine work that I'm doing and the earth as a blue planet. So there's multiple Ooh, layers of meaning. Right. In blue Star Temple.
1: Love it, love it, love it. Okay, so blue star, blue star temple dot org. 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 Alright, we'll put that in the show notes. Stephanie, thank you so much mm-hmm. for joining me today. And again the book is The Evolutionary Empath, A Practical Guide for Heart-Centered Consciousness by Stephanie Redfeather, PhD. And this is also available on your website?
0: Uh, yes, you can go to my website, um, and then there's links there to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Inner Traditions, and you know wherever your favorite places to purchase a wherever book. wherever fine books are sold. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> there's a Kindle edition available, and the audiobook should be dropping in January. Do you narrate the audiobook I do. of course you I do. do. You've got such a beautiful voice Thank for you. it too. You don't oh, can't quite hear fun. it all right now. It's a little Wolfman Jack, but
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Next laughs> sexy Kathleen Turner, and this is this, this is going to be fun. So, so wonderful I'm excited for your book and excited for the possibilities you've got a ton of interviews coming up like 30 or some sort of mm-hmm. insane number of interviews coming up and I'm just tickled that you would come and interview with me mm-hmm. I really appreciate it thank you. thank you Stephanie all right radiate wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at RadiateWellnessCommunity.com.